Uh, it is so great to see all of you today. If you're new with us, uh, my name is Jason. I'm one of the guys uh, on the team here at Fellowship Greenville, and we are so thankful that you have uh, joined us for worship, whether here in Auditorium 1, Auditorium 2, which has already been mentioned multiple times, and Auditorium 3. Uh, those of you that are online, thank you for making uh, this time, this gathered time, a priority. Um, if you are a guest, uh, I hope and pray that you have already found Fellowship Greenville to be a welcoming place. Uh, if we can answer any questions for you in regards to our church family, there is a guest center out in our commons area and also in the back of Auditorium 2. So please stop by after the worship service and uh, there would be some folks there would love to answer any questions that you might have. Now, if you've been worshiping with us here for a few weeks or a few months or even a few years and you're looking to get more plugged in with our local church family, we would love that as well. We have both a Next Step Center and a community group center also out in the Commons area where friendly people there would love to meet you and help you take your next step in getting connected here. I hope everyone's uh, summer is going well. It seems to be uh, going by very fast. Uh, for me and my family, I am always thankful for these weeks that disrupt our normal schedule as a family. My wife is a high school English teacher, so we love the change of pace uh, that the summer months bring. Uh, we get to do uh, a little bit of traveling. I uh, recently spent a, a week in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Never been, wanted to go check it out, really enjoyed it, don't really feel the need to ever go back. We did all the things. There were four things. We did all four of those things <laughs> in Santa Fe. And I don't know if you've been to Santa Fe or not, but they've got this question that they like to ask you about everything. They just go red or green, red or green, red or green. Now they're talking about chilies and they want to, they want to put it on everything that you consume. And, uh, it's okay. Like if you're having a Mexican dish, that's really great. But I mean, this is like a Turkey sub and I don't want either one of those things on there. It's kind of disgusting. It got me actually thinking like, is this how people feel about the South and gravy? Like, do they feel that way about us? Uh, speaking of which I'm pretty sure that that's actually what's going on with all these earthquakes we've been having in our state, like down around Columbia, like we as a state need to commit to cutting back on gravy <laughs> and fried foods. Like our earth's crust can't handle our collective weight. Anyway, <laughs> the, other thing, the other thing that I enjoy about uh, the summer is for 15 years or so now, I've been given the opportunity along with my family to travel. I speak at two camps every summer full of teenagers and college age students and I get to talk about Jesus. I absolutely love it. Uh, two weeks ago, I was in the raging metropolis of Birdsboro, uh, Pennsylvania at a camp called High Point. I just returned uh, yesterday from speaking at a camp in Georgia called Woodlands. Here's a few pictures. That's up High Point. That's up in uh, the Birdsboro area, about 300 teenagers. Look how pretty that is. Isn't that nice? Really pretty lake right there. Absolutely loved it. Um, now that's not me at camp, and I don't know how this picture got in, but let's hold pause for a second there in the back. The, this was in Pennsylvania, and I've got um, one finger up in the air because right before this, um, I hit a golf shot. Um, it's 158 yards, playing down five, had an elevated tee right there, and I hit a high baby draw, and it hit to the it hit to the right of that pin about 15 feet and spun directly to the left and dropped in the cup for my first ever hole in one. That's what that's about, right there. 
Listen, listen. I've been playing for 36 years. I've hit a lot of golf shots, and that finally went in. It was great after first service. People wanted to talk, not so much about the message, but about their hole-in-ones. And I talked with a uh, lady who told me that she got a hole-in-one, and she's only played 10 rounds of golf in her entire life. So I said congratulations, thought horrible things about her, and walked away. Just kidding, I didn't. This is down in Georgia. We're back to camp. This is down in Georgia, Cleveland, Georgia. Beautiful area. Look at that. Isn't that awesome? Bunch of students worshiping the Lord. And I always walk away encouraged at what the Lord is doing and continuing to draw people to himself. Right? Like to see and interact with teenagers and college students that are coming to know the Lord and they desire to grow in the Lord. Listen, I know at times it's easy to get discouraged when you look at the world around you. But honestly, we've talked about this before here. I'm, I'm usually thinking, what an opportunity to be a follower of Jesus during these days. And these interactions for me throughout the summer, along with many others, is this great reminder that God is at work in this world and he is drawing people to himself. That although our rhythms of life are different for many of us during the summer months, there are still so many great opportunities for us to put the beauty and the hope of the gospel on display in some unique places where we rest and where we vacation, where we travel to be intentional with the gospel. Did you know that our students here, our student ministry, many of our students, they have been ministering over the course of the summer in Jackson, Mississippi, in Lexington, South Carolina. Did you know we have a team right now in Slovakia? Another team just left yesterday for Cali, Colombia, where they will share the gospel. One of our elders and a team just returned from a medical missions trip where they were serving Ukrainian refugees. Story after story after story after story, just like Bella was telling. And I truly believe that as we see and participate in what it is that God is up to, we're reminded through the regular and routine of a school year as well as through the irregular and out of our routine of a summer. We are reminded of who God is, what God is like, we get to see what it is that he is up to, which is really what we've been talking about this summer on Sunday mornings here at Fellowship Greenville. We intentionally and prayerfully set aside 12 Sundays to look at some of the attributes of God through June, July, and August. And we have heard that this series has been a huge encouragement to many of you. If you've missed any of the messages, you can listen. They're all online. You can go check them out. We've talked about the holiness of God and the sovereignty of God and the grace of God and the love of God and other things as well. But as a reminder, as we jump in this morning, these attributes we've been talking about, they are not simply isolated character traits of God. They are facets of who he is. Uh, if you were to think about a diamond that is multifaceted, right? It has many sides, it has many aspects, but it is a diamond. A.W. Tozer says it this way, they, God's attributes, are not things in themselves. They are rather thoughts by which we think of God, aspects of a perfect whole. Names given to whatever we know to be true of the Godhead. To have a correct understanding of the attributes, it is necessary that we see them all as one. 
We can think of them separately, but they cannot be separated. All of God's acts are consistent with all of his attributes. No attribute contradicts the other, but all harmonize and blend into each other in the infinite abyss of the Godhead. All that God does agrees with all that God is and being and doing are one in him. So here is our God, creator, holy, sovereign, gracious, full of love. Here is our God that we come together today to worship, not simply because it's church time, but because he is worthy of our worship, both individually and corporately. Here is our God that holds everything together in a world that is constantly changing. And that brings us today in the opportunity we have to ponder and remember and celebrate our God who is faithful. When I mentioned that all these attributes give a multifaceted view of our God and that they're really all connected together, the faithfulness of God is a perfect example because the faithfulness of God is tethered to another attribute of God, his immutability, which means God does not change. God never differs from himself. God is not growing. God is not developing. So who God is, is who God is. And for those of you who use the, in my opinion, overused phrase, it is what it is, go with this one instead. I like it. God is who he is. Who God is, is who God has been. Who God is, is who God will be. And the ramifications of this truth, they are astounding as you truly contemplate them. They're astounding because as you come to God, unlike any other relationship you have with anybody else, you don't have to guess about how God is doing. You don't have to wonder how God is feeling today. You don't need to be anxious about whether he is changing his mind towards you. You don't have to be nervous wondering if he's having a good day or a bad day. He is who he is. Malachi 3.6 says this, I am the Lord and I do not change. And the immutability of God is astounding, especially when you hear God say, who he is. I mean, that's the amazing part to me. You don't have to guess or wonder what God has to say about who he is. So not only does he not change, he also tells us who he is that we would know what is not changing about him in regards to who he is. What a deal. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34. In the book of Exodus, the Lord tells us who he is. And I wanna read it to you, uh, verses five and six, and then I'll give you a little bit of background where the Lord is telling us who he is and how that plays out. This is what it says in Exodus 34, verse five. 
The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. The hymn reference there is Moses. In this part of the Exodus story, Moses had gone up to Mount Sinai to once again receive another set of stone tablets. God's making a covenant with them because the first set had been broken when the children of Israel decided to make an idol of gold in the shape of a calf to dance in front of because Moses was taking too long in coming down from the mountain where he was having a conversation with God. So when Moses comes down from the mountain and sees everybody dancing in front of the golden calf, he chucks the tablet, smashes them, breaks them. He's so angry. So God invites him back up to the mountain to make another set of stone tablets. And this is what God, who is who he is, has to say about himself. You wanna know about him? I'm merciful, I'm gracious, I'm slow to anger, I'm abounding in steadfast love, and I'm faithful. If you're a note taker, jot them down. Like, is that how you process and think through the God of the universe? God says, this is my name. And since I'm talking about the fact that our God is faithful, you can understand me focusing there. But to tie into last week, Jim spoke on the love of God. And we see here side by side, God is, it says, God is abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. When you read steadfast love there, that's the Hebrew word hesed. If you'll recall back when we were studying through the book of Ruth this past spring, remember that? It's a term of God's covenant love for for his people. It's who he is. And the word faithfulness there in the Hebrew, that's the word emet. And not only is it translated as faithfulness and truth, it is translated that, but it also means stability and reliability and security, it's who he is. So when God, talking about himself, you know, Moses, jot this down, this is who I am. Put these two words together, hesed and emet. That's called a hendiadis. It's a literary word, and that's where two nouns help define each other. I told you my wife is an English teacher. I say that to say this, what you're reading actually there is this, God's love is his faithfulness. And God's faithfulness is his love. Isn't that awesome? Like sometimes our English language doesn't capture like the punch of the Hebrew, because if you just think about love from an emotional, feely point of view, God loves you, thinks you're swell, But what's being said here is so beautiful. Hesed and Amet are about God's reliability, stability, loyalty. He will never leave his people no matter what. And these words are together all throughout the scriptures. 
He's immutable, he's unchanging, he is faithful, and there is no possibility of him being unfaithful because he is who he is. Or maybe I could say it this way, God has been faithful, God is faithful, God will be faithful, it's who he is. And this is my encouragement to you this morning in regards to this attribute of our God when it comes to his faithfulness. That his faithfulness has been enough It is enough, and it will be enough. I know for some of you here today, or you're listening today, your response might be, yeah, maybe his faithfulness is enough for some people, but Jason, you don't know my situation. You don't know the choices I've made. You don't know the hand that I've been dealt, and that's true. I don't know everyone's story or the path you're currently walking. But I do know that God is unchanging because that is what God says about himself. It's who he is no matter what you're walking through, no matter what hand you've been dealt, no matter what choices you've made. It doesn't alter who he is. And it actually doesn't alter his steadfast love and faithfulness towards you. Earlier during the service, we read this passage from Lamentations that I want to read again. Prophet Jeremiah processing through the faithfulness of God in the midst of suffering and pain. He says, the thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. And Jeremiah, he writes these words as Jerusalem sits in ruins, suffering, homeless, awful, grieving, utter devastation, yet. He says, I'm gonna remember. No matter the circumstances that I find myself in, no matter how much my circumstances change, because they do change, God is never changing, and God told me who he was. God said he was faithful. And there's the words again, like you see them in verse 22, you see them side by side, faithful love, and then great is thy faithfulness. This is where my hope is, Jeremiah says. Like, I love Lamentations. It's real, it's raw. Everything's out there for everybody to see and read. Look at how honest he is. What does he say? I will not forget this awful time. This isn't a message of all of you that are walking through difficult things, someone looking at you and say, just buck up, it's gonna be fine. Sometimes we say it flippantly, we don't well, God's faithful. No, 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 no. It's okay to go, I'm not gonna forget the awful time. But the immutable God, the never-changing God, is a faithful God. And Jeremiah says, he's my inheritance, he's my portion, he's my everything. He says, he has been faithful, that has been enough. He is faithful, that will be enough, right? He will be faithful, and that will be enough. And again, I say this because I know maybe for some of you there there is this objection in regards to the faithfulness of God in your life. 
For those of you that have in the past, maybe you're currently walking through hard seasons, I want to acknowledge that for some people, maybe you, even you if you're honest, they equate God's faithfulness to how life is playing out from their perspective. So for many, they believe God is faithful to the degree that things are smooth and good and easy and comfortable for them. So if the circumstances of life don't seem stable, and if the circumstances of life don't seem reliable, and if the circumstances of life don't seem secure from your view, from your perspective, then how can God be stable and reliable and secure? Well, as we look at what God says about himself, again, I would encourage us not to allow the circumstances of life to dictate our perception of the faithfulness of our God who has declared himself faithful and has shown that faithfulness to us in and through Jesus. And that in and through Jesus is really the key to not allowing the hardships of life to take you down a road of doubting the steadfast love and the faithfulness of our God. As Tim Keller, a pastor in New York, is quite famous for saying, it's not the strength of your faith, but the object of your faith that actually saves you. Strong faith in a weak branch is fatally inferior to weak faith in a strong branch. Our strong branch is Jesus Christ. And that actually does change everything. Do you wanna see, even in the hard seasons, do you wanna see the steadfast love and faithfulness of God? Look at Jesus. How unchanging is our God? How faithful is our God? How amazing is his steadfast love? Look at Jesus. And you will see God's plan all along to show you his steadfast love and his faithfulness. The Bible is full of covenants. Jim briefly mentioned that last week. You can read of one of those covenants in Genesis at the very beginning of your Bible when God told Abraham that he was gonna bless him. You can read about this, Genesis 12, 13, 14, 15. God said he would bless Abraham through making a great nation through him and bless that nation and through them bless all the people of the earth. Such an incredible promise from God. And if you don't know the story, what you might be tempted to think is, awesome, I bet that went so well since God promised it. I bet that was a smooth, easy, how cool, God told you that and it's rolled out. Well, if you go read the story, you will find very quickly that it's not easy and it's not smooth. There's a lot of challenging moments and there were moments when Abraham was really wondering if God would come through on that promise. Was he actually loving? Was he actually going to be faithful? And they're having some conversations, God and Abraham, about that. And in Genesis 15, things get interesting when God says, let's make a covenant in regards to my promise to you. So God tells Abraham to get some animals for an animal sacrifice like they did back in the day. And the animals are all to be cut in half. This is called cutting the covenant. And what you would do is you would lay the animals in halves 
in parallel lines, and the two people making the covenant would walk between the cut-up animals. <laughs> I mean, Jim talked a little bit about weddings and stuff last week. If you're looking for an idea, you're getting married soon, and you want to go with this. Like, I got a daughter. I wouldn't mind walking my daughter down to a young man between a bunch of cut-up animals. Anyway, that's another story for another time. <clears throat> when you read Genesis 15, you'll read that God causes Abraham to fall into a deep sleep. And in that sleep, Abraham has a vision in which God is walking through the cut-up animals. But God is walking through the cut-up animals all by himself. And in that moment, God is saying, no matter what, I will keep my end of the deal even when you don't keep your end of the deal. And down the line, when blood needs to be spilt because you don't keep your end of the deal, it won't be your blood. Steadfast love and faithfulness from the beginning. So really what you should do is you should read through the Old Testament. When you read the Old Testament, you read it through the lens of God keeping his promise and his covenant because he is faithful. It's part of what we tried to draw out when we taught through Judges. As the children of Israel are unfaithful over and over and over and over again. And I have this, we have these conversations with some people sometimes, like the Old Testament, like I just don't get it. It's like hard, difficult things to process. Yeah, for sure. There are some hard and difficult things to process through as you read through the Old Testament. But each story throughout the Old Testament is not some life application devotional thought, moralistic story about how you can be a better you and kill the Davids in your life. It's story after story of God's faithfulness in the midst of all the craziness and people's unfaithfulness. That's what it's about. And then, Jesus. Why? Because God made a promise. And he's faithful to his promise. It's who he is. And guess what? Not only did he come for us, he's returning for us. Even though we know what about us? That just like the children of Israel, we are Unfaithful at times, yeah. Our love is not steadfast, right? But we, by faith, have trusted in him. He's redeemed us. So listen, I don't know everybody's story, but I'll say this to you today. If you are here and you're tempted to think that God is not showing himself faithful to you from your perspective, 
because you have not been faithful towards him, because you've doubted him, because you've turned your back on him, because you've walked in the opposite direction of the way that he's leading, because you have said some really horrible things to him about him when you've walked through some really difficult days. I want to tell you what Paul reminds Timothy of in 2 Timothy 2. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he can't deny himself. So in a message like this, I don't want to, I definitely don't want to minimize anyone's suffering. I don't want to minimize anyone's doubt. I want to acknowledge actually that suffering will lead so many people to wonder if God's mercy is truly never ending and if God's faithfulness is really all that great. But I think that's why these verses resonate so much with us. And taking the time, it becomes imperative, taking the time to regularly remember who God is, to contemplate who God is, to remind one another of who God is, to celebrate who God is, all of that is imperative as we walk through this difficult, at times, constantly changing life. Author Paul Tripp says it this way, God's care for you is secure because it does not depend on your faithfulness, but on his. I mean, think about it with me for a minute. If you're here today and you have a relationship with the God of the universe through Jesus Christ, then here is what you have leaned into and trusted. You've leaned into and trusted the faithfulness of God. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's who he is. Now, what if I reminded you that so many of you have trusted God, you have put your faith in him in regards to your eternal destiny, and yet you are tempted to think, based on the circumstances of life, he's forgotten you, that he's not paying attention to you, that he's not reliable, that he's not secure, that he is unloving, that he is indifferent towards you. No. So my hope and my prayer is that this would be a place, Fellowship Greenville would be a place where we collectively remind one another of God's steadfast love and his faithfulness. And again, I don't know where everybody is. But as I was studying this week, I really kept asking God, what is it you want me to say to our church family about your faithfulness? What do I remind them of? And I couldn't get away from the fact, you know, Fellowship Greenville is a big place. There's thousands of people here. That's a big family. And people are in a lot of spots. So I just jotted down a few things. And I, a question with a verse, and I hope it's an encouragement to you depending on where you're sitting today. If you're here today and you're anxious, Psalm 91.4 says, he will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and your protection.
It's who he is. Jason, I'm really undergoing some temptations. I just am tempted all the time. I don't feel like I'm just, it's really getting me. First Corinthians 10 says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. It's who he is. Are you discouraged? Hebrews 10.23 says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised, he promised, is faithful. It's who he is. Are you fearful? Second Thessalonians 3, verse 3 says, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and he will guard you from the evil one. It's who he is. Are you in a season of suffering? I'm gonna read it again for the third time during this service. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. It's who he is. Are you weary from the stage of life that you find yourself in? 1 Peter 4, verse 19 so if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what's right and trust your lives to the God who created you for he will never fail you. So he is. And maybe in a moment of honesty and transparency, you're sitting there and you go, Jason, I just, man, I, I don't have any faith. And that's not walking away from God. That's not turning your back on God. That's not telling God to get lost. It's just a season of your life where you're having a hard time. You would say, I sense that I'm faithless. I'll read it again, 2 Timothy 2. If we, if you, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He won't deny himself. He has been faithful. That has been enough. He is faithful. That is enough. He will be faithful. It'll be enough for you. I close by uh, asking you to consider this question. In light of God's immutability, in light of God's faithfulness, how should we, those who have so greatly benefited from a God who is God, a God who is unchanged, a God who is trustworthy, stable, secure, faithful, how do we respond to that? And um, 
I think the Psalms give us a bit of insight. Here's what David says in Psalm 40. Let me read it to you. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and he steadied me as I was walking along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They'll put their trust in the Lord. Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud, or those who worship idols. Oh, Lord, my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans for us are too numerous to list. You have no equal. If I tried to recite all your wonderful deeds, I would never come to the end of them. Verse 9. I have told all your people about your justice. I have not been afraid to speak out as you, O Lord, well know. I have not kept the good news of your justice hidden in my heart. I have talked about your faithfulness and saving power. I have told everyone in the great assembly of your, there it is again, unfailing love and your faithfulness. Throughout the Old Testament, here in the Psalms, you see this expectation of God's people to recount and proclaim the faithfulness of God to others, to the next generation, the verbal articulation of God's reliability and stability and trustworthiness and faithfulness was imperative. Psalm 78 also speaks to this. And I think there's something for us all these years later to lean into here. The church, Big C, Christ followers around the globe, made up of a lot of Little C congregations, that's Fellowship Greenville. There is something about us proclaiming the reality and the beauty and the hope of God's faithfulness. It is a wonderful opportunity. It is our privilege. And I would say it is central to our mission as the church. Do you see what David said? I have shared about your faithfulness. I have shared about your saving power. I have not been afraid to speak out. You have heard our cries. You've delivered us. You have placed our feet on solid ground. Well, of course he has because he is steady, reliable, trustworthy, faithful, and people are watching. Verse three says, many will see your provision because of your faithfulness and will what? Put their trust in the Lord. Yeah. I long for Fellowship Greenville to continue to be a place that regularly, on the regular, is a part of what we do when we together, collectively, it's a part of what we're doing in small group, community group, whatever the case may be, over coffee, that we are recounting the faithfulness of God. And if you go, Jason, what would that look like? Three things, real quick. Number one, I want to encourage you with something real practical, maybe overly simplistic. Set aside time. Like if you want to think well about the faithfulness of God in your life, for sure the Spirit of God at any moment can bring his faithfulness to mind. But could I encourage you to set aside time to contemplate his faithfulness towards you? Scripture is full of his faithfulness. Read it, meditate upon it, capture it, write it out, journal it. 
I literally have a note on my iPad where I've taken my life and broken it up into years. Sections of my life. I'm only 46. So there's more to come, Lord willing. But in those sections, I've gone back and I've revisited the faithfulness of God to me. When I was a little kid, yeah. When I was in elementary school, absolutely. When I got into middle school and high school and there were people, like I just observed at all these camps, all these college kids investing in these teenagers and sharing with them about Jesus. I had those people in my life. What's that? That's the faithfulness of God. I don't ever want to forget it. Taking off to college and people discipling me and pouring into me. Stepping into ministry and people that have been encouraging to me and walked with me. All of them reminding me of the faithfulness of God. Set aside time to ponder it. Articulate it. This would be the second thing I would say. Say thank you. If you have a heritage that has been intentional to recount to you the faithfulness of God, then let them know how thankful you are. Call them, write them, text them. Don't let anybody who has been influential in your life in showing the faithfulness of God through their life to you. Don't let another day go by without saying thank you. The older I've gotten, you know, the more I've taken the time to write my parents, to write my grandmas, to write my in-laws. Simply to say thank you. Thank you for being the type of person who would be intentional to recount the faithfulness of God in your life to me. You have put into practice Psalm 40. You have talked about God's faithfulness and his saving power. You have told everyone in our family of God's unfailing love and his faithfulness. Thank you. The third thing I would say is, because that might not be your story, and if it's not your story, then the third one's for you. Let it begin with you. Maybe you didn't have anybody who prioritized pointing you to the faithfulness of God when you were little or as you've grown up. But I mean, it can't begin with you. What if, what if years from now when other people in your family are tracing the family lineage and it lands on you, you were the one. You were the one who faithfully and intentionally recounted the faithfulness of God for your family, for your close friends. This is my prayer for you. May your kids and grandkids and great-grandkids sit on your front porch, their front porch, your back porch, around kitchen tables and in living rooms and recount what they have heard spoken of by you, what they, what they saw observed, what they observed being lived out in your home. May those who speak of you speak of someone who spoke of the faithfulness of our unchanging God. May you be the one that is known having lived and articulated through all of your days, however many days he gives you. Nine times in the last five days and now this is back on. Thank you, Lord. I was really to my last two sentences. 
may you be known for being the one who lived and articulated through all of your life. He has been faithful. That has been enough. He is faithful. That is enough. He will be faithful. And that'll be enough for you. Because it's who he is. Can I pray over you? Father God, I'm so incredibly thankful to be able to join together with brothers and sisters, some guests, maybe checking Fellowship Greenville out, and to celebrate your faithfulness to us through Jesus Christ. I pray that it would continue to be central to all we talk about and all we do. I believe it's central to our mission as a church to live lives through deed and through word that articulate your faithfulness to us in and through Jesus. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Even this morning, not only here in these auditoriums, living rooms as people watch, but in our student ministry space, in our children's space, this is the message that we're articulating. Nothing will thwart your plan of redemption. no matter how unfaithful we are, how much our loves seem to change. You are the Lord and you are never changing. You're full of mercy. You're slow to anger. full of steadfast love and faithfulness. Thank you. Would you give us the opportunity today, this week, to set aside time to remember, to truly contemplate how you've been faithful time and time again. (laughs) To take a minute to say thank you to those who have lived this in front of us. And with gospel-motivated resolve, declare to our friends and family that if our heritage isn't one of someone proclaiming God's faithfulness to us, by your grace and kindness, it'll begin with us for your glory, for your fame. Amen.